Hi, I'm Sean Healy, and you're listening to Tools. Hi everyone, Sean Healy, personal development educator and NLP trainer here, and welcome to episode 122 of Sean Healy Tools, a podcast intended to provide tips, tools and strategies for helping us have the best quality and most effective relationships we can, both in our business and personal lives. So welcome to today's episode. Episode 122 is entitled brain priming and decision fatigue. I thought I'd do an episode a bit more around the mechanics of how we can get the most out of our brain um, by using uh, certain tips and strategies that um, in effect help our brain to get into the best possible space it can for bringing our best clarity to whatever situation we're we're looking at approaching. So I think the first thing I kind of want to say here is is that sometimes the the difference between really successful people and everybody else is that hyper successful people tend to see as very important and prioritize things that the rest of us think uh, are trivial. So there are little things that can make massive amounts of difference over an extended period of time to the kinds of results that we're getting in the world. Um, And when we're talking about reducing decision fatigue and priming our brain for best performance, there are little things that we can do that are are exactly that. They're they're small tightenings up of the way we go about things, but they can really produce massive results for us going forward. So, okay, let's talk about the idea of what, what on earth are we talk about when we talk about brain priming. Well, our brain is an associating, association-making machine. So, uh, in essence, understanding that principle, we want to utilize that in certain ways because um, we want to link perhaps an environment or a set of clothing or a time of the day with a certain performance requirement of our brain. Um, if you've ever had the experience, and, and many people talk about the complaint about being at work and yet thinking about um, what they're going to do on the weekend, and then when they get to the weekend and they're trying to enjoy the weekend, but now their mind's tugging at them about aspects of work. So when we're talking about how do we, how do, what kind of tools and strategies do we use for when we're in an environment, how do we help train the brain to stay in that environment so that when we're working, we're working, and when we're relaxing, we're relaxing. Um, So one very simple way we can help prime the brain, gear the brain, and associate the brain to going, ah, we're about to go into a work environment, might very simply be that we we have um, work clothes, and then we have relaxation clothes. And um, this is where sometimes certain experts are very, very rigorous on making sure that they have very clear boundaries in this area. So the moment I finish work, before I go out to catch up with friends, before I go to the bar, or the moment I get home, I change into my relaxation clothes. I I change into my casual going out wear, 
or my slothing around the house clothes. Um, I do not come home in my suit and then lounge on the couch because, again, that is messing up. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm diluting my brain's effectiveness rather than going, my brain knows and it's primed for whenever the suit is on, whenever the, the corporate attire is on, that means we're in work mode brain. Um, and whenever I'm in my um, Hawaiian T-shirt and cargo pants, um, well, that means relaxation, socialized time brain. Um, so the more and more we can set up these little uh, marker points so that our brain knows exactly and gets more and more used to what it's expected to do in a certain environment, the more we are able to draw out of ourselves with less effort. Um, so, you know, I set aside a certain set of clothes that are only for working in, and the moment I change to a relaxation or personal mode, I switch to the clothes that I wear only in that environment. Um, I might, if I'm not doing clothes as a way to associate and prime the brain for, you know, we're in work mode now, we're in relaxation mode now, I might use geography to do that. Um, uh, if I work from home, then I'm making sure that I only work in one location in the house. I only talk business in one location in the house. Um, and the rest of the house is for, for other things. That chair over there, that's the chair. When I'm doing business-based things, I sit in that chair. Um, and under no circumstances do I um, do work in any other part of the house. So this is what we mean by priming and associating the brain to go, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm doing in that particular space. And this way, if we're setting very tight boundaries and associations for our brain, um, like I said, this makes it easier to drop into that mode um, because I put my work clothes on, I sit in my work allocated space, and maybe then the third layer of this is time. And from nine in the morning till five in the afternoon or for a 45 minute block, I know that that is my designated space that my brain is devoted to work. And the more I do that, the easier it is to drop into that, um, the easier it is to consistently access a state of work-based productivity and focus and stay on point for that. Um, and also when I'm changing my clothes or it's after work nominated time, it makes it easier for me to leave work at work and, and do that vital self-care, rest, relaxing and nurturing. Um, you know, the weekend is for the weekend. I'm not, I'm not pestered by thoughts of work. Worst case scenario, if my brain is really irritating me, I can pause my relaxation for a moment, go put my work clothes on, go to my designated work environment, knock that off so my brain stops pestering me about it, then I get back into my casual clothes, then I go back into my casual environment. But that's the difference between hyper-creative, hyper-effective people is, is they do not mess around with their primer points or their triggers for, get, for getting into uh, work mode. And this is where you know, we can mention the idea of decision fatigue. Um, you know, we've only got a certain amount of fuel for key decisions. So if you, ideally what you also want to do is streamline the number of decisions you have to make during the week. I think, you know, people like Steve Jobs are synonymous with only having a certain type of clothing that they wore when they worked. 
so that you didn't have to stand in front of the wardrobe in the morning and go, oh my goodness, what am I going to wear? You already know. So that's a decision taken off. Um, that's uh, lightening the decision load for your brain. Um, he, he, to my understanding, you know, his diet was fairly perfunctory and, you know, each day he knew what he was going to eat at certain points in time. So we're not agonizing over those kinds of things. We've made a pre-decision and we're not taking away from our brain's uh, capacity for decision making by trivializing it and getting it to focus on, mm, I wonder what I'm going to have for lunch today. Um, rather than, no, it's already planned, I'm having a ham sandwich or a, you know, vegan salad or whatever I'm going to have. But I'm, I'm not standing there at lunchtime wasting vital parts of my brain resource in, in front of the Bay Marie going, mm, uh, I wonder, you know, uh, one, because we want to, like I said, keep our primary, you know, we, we want to, we don't want to dissipate from our, you know, and cause decision fatigue. But also the chances are that in those moments, if I haven't planned ahead, I'm likely to make a decision that's more impulsive and not necessarily good for me, or I've got seduced by something that looks good, um, but isn't necessarily uh, conducive to, um, you know, I've eaten something heavy, sugary, and now the afternoon is compromised because, you know, my biochemistry is affected while my body tries to process the, the sugar and then, you know, but I'm also expected to be in the office making high quality decisions. Um, so this is where if we're setting very tight parameters for ourselves, this is what helps our brain to be primed and move more easily into and get conditioned into certain expectations in certain environments. Um, triggered, like I said, either by what we've picked as a geography, what we, what we perhaps have chosen to wear. Um, and again, everybody's different here as to what works best to help set those markers and encourage the, uh, the, the, the priming process. Um, you might find that the thing that you respond to best is a change of a designated set of clothing for certain areas of your life. Um, that's the thing, and geography doesn't seem to make too much of a difference. Or by comparison, you might find that uh, what works better for you is um, uh, clothing doesn't make so much of a difference, but geography is the thing that's important uh, to you relative to um, what what you uh, you know. That seems to be the thing that that supports your brain the most to be where it needs to be, doing what it needs to do. Um, and for others, it might be something smaller. You know, I wear a certain couple of pieces of jewellery that when I put these pieces of jewellery on, that means I'm in work mode. When I take those pieces of jewellery off, that means, ah, work is done for the day. Or for some of us, like I said, we're working with timing priming. So um, whether that might be a block of time that you go, okay, um, what works, what seems to work best for me is allotted 45-minute space. I seem to be able to keep a consistent, effective, high-functioning level of focus for about 45 minutes, and then I need a 10 or 15-minute break. Um, so that, you know, I set the t timer, um, and then I know that time is the thing that helps guide my mind in and out of where it needs to be. So that, like I said, w this leads to a level of congruence. We're bringing our best thinking to whatever environment's needed. So 
Um, when I'm working, I'm working. When I'm playing, I'm playing. Um, so I think this idea of being able to set up uh, and use these kinds of markers to really help our brain to um, be more and more primed and conditioned into um, showing up in its best and most useful capacity, you know, little things, but make a big, big difference. Um, so I hope, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, one of the things that I really notice is, you know, probably be, be before I finish the episode off, I, I think what I also might, you know, I've talked about that in terms of ideally, you know, um, setting up things so that my, my work brain kicks in when it should. Um, but also we need to be very careful that, you know, this can have a huge impact on our intimacy and our relationships. You know, you know if I'm sitting around in, a, in us time, but suddenly I'm on checking my emails, well, I'm not giving my best to my emails and I'm not giving my best to my partner. If I'm lying in bed with my partner, but I'm doing work stuff, um, you know, this is polluting both of those experiences and that can really harm you long term. Um, I've seen many, especially couples who work together, who because work ends up kind of finding its way into every discussion and every place and every aspect in their life and they haven't set tight enough parameters around when is time to talk business, when is time to be us as a couple, then over time the passion, the intimacy um, dies and then it can be very, very tricky to get that back. So this, this can be a really fundamental thing, not only for your helping you to show up as effectively as you possibly can, as consistently as you possibly can in your work-based endeavors, but also to have the healthiest and most passionate and intimate relationship you can. It's a really key kind of tool. So um, there you go. I, I hope that uh, you can take that and and you know, tweak that to the way that, because again, you know, this too also is very influenced by people's personalities, but, but there it is as a bit of a guideline. And I, and I hope it might be something that you'll be able to, to take and add into your life to make your life even more effective and to, you know, help you, as I say, um, have the best quality relational experiences that you can both in your personal and professional life. Um, but apart from that, that's probably the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, as always, if you've just joined us, welcome. Uh, I, I hope you've. Uh, I I hope that um, you found this episode interesting and of, of use. Um, and if you want to continue to support the show, that would be wonderful. Please go to iTunes, download, subscribe, leave a five-star review as it makes it easier for others to find the show. Um, the show is also available at the website, emergencetraining.com and uh, Stitcher, Podbean and other podcast mediums. So from wherever you're joining us, uh, welcome. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. Um, for those who've been listening along now for right the way through or for a long period of time, from wherever you are in the world, I want to say a big hi and thank you so much. Um, I'm so grateful for your ongoing and continued support and really hope you're enjoying um, the, the series um, and the invitation stands. If you know, Please reach out if you think there's a topic that I might be able to do something on that would help. Um, and, and I feel I, I, I know a little bit about it, then I'm happy to kind of throw my hat in the ring. Um, and uh, hopefully that adds value. Um, and then, of course, um, you're welcome to, as I say, come and check us out at the website, emergencetraining.com.au, where I offer one-to-one -one coaching in person or um, online or via the phone. 
um, and then do in-house and uh, uh, to public trainings around um, all kinds of aspects of people dynamics. So, yeah, by all means, uh, stop by the website, check us out. And there's the YouTube series too, the Sean Healy Relationship Resourcing Series. Come and visit us on YouTube as well. Um, but apart from that, like I said, I wish you every success in your life. Thank you for listening to this episode. And until we're with each other on another episode, bye for now.